Hello and welcome to episode 284 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this afternoon. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Saturday, August the 27th, 2022, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, continuing to work through the text by the wonderful saint and doctor of the church, Alphonsus Liguri, entitled The Glories of Mary, because this, after all, is August, the month dedicated to honoring and cherishing the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. And this is from his fourth discourse entitled Of the Annunciation of Mary. The subtitle is In the Incarnation of the Eternal Word, Mary could not have humbled herself more than she did humble herself. God, on the other hand, could not have exalted her more than he did exalt her. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be humbled, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. These are the words of our Lord and cannot fail. Therefore, God having determined to become man, that he might redeem lost man and thus show the world his infinite goodness, and having to choose a mother on earth, he sought amongst women for the one who was the most holy and the most humble. But amongst all, one there was whom he admired. And this one was the tender Virgin Mary, who the more exalted were her virtues, so much the more dove-like was her simplicity and humility, and the more lowly was she in her own estimation. There are young maidens without number. One is my dove, my perfect one. Therefore, God said, this one shall be my chosen mother. Let us now see how great was Mary's humility, and consequently, how greatly God exalted her. Mary could not have humbled herself more than she did humble herself in the incarnation of the word. This will be the first point, that God could not have exalted Mary more than he did exalt her. This will be the second. First point, our Lord in the sacred canticles, speaking precisely of the humility of the most humble virgin says, while the king was at his repose, my spikenard sent forth the odor thereof. St. Antoninus, explaining these words, says that spikenard, from its being a small and lowly herb, was a type of Mary, the sweet odor of hu- whose humility, ascending to heaven, so to say, awakened the divine word, reposing in the bosom of the eternal father, and drew him into her virginal womb. So that our Lord, drawn as it were by the sweet odor of this humble virgin, chose her for his mother when he was pleased to become man to redeem the world. But he, for the greater glory and merit of this mother, would not become her son without her previous consent. The abbot William says, he would not take flesh from her unless she gave it. Hence, when this humble virgin, for so it was revealed to St. Elizabeth of Hungary, was in her poor little cottage, sighing and beseeching God more fervently than ever, and with desires more than ever ardent, that he would send the Redeemer. Behold, the archangel Gabriel arrives, the bearer of the great message. He enters and salutes her, saying, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Hail, O virgin, full of grace, for thou wast always full of grace above all other saints. The Lord is with thee, because thou art so humble, thou art blessed among women. For all others fell under the curse of sin, but thou, because thou art the mother of the blessed one, art and always will be blessed and freed from every stain. But what does the humble Mary reply to a salutation so full of praises? Nothing. She remains silent, but reflecting upon it, is troubled. Who having heard was troubled at his saying, 
and thought with herself what manner of salutation this should be. Why was she troubled? Did she fear an illusion? Or was it her virginal modesty which caused her to be disturbed at the sight of a man, as some suppose, in the belief that the angel appeared under a human form? No, the text is clear. She was troubled at his saying, not at his appearance, but at what he said, remarks Eusebius Amesinus. Her trouble, then, arose entirely from her humility, which was disturbed at the sound of praises so far exceeding her own lowly estimate of herself. Hence, the more the angel exalted her, the more she humbled herself and entered into the consideration of her own nothingness. Here, St. Bernadine remarks that had the angel said, O Mary, thou art the greatest sinner in the world, her astonishment would not have been so great. The sound of such high praises filled her with fear. She was troubled, for being so full of humility, she abhorred every praise of herself, and her only desire was that her creator, the giver of every good thing, should be praised and blessed. This Mary herself revealed to St. Bridget, when speaking of the time in which she became mother of God, I desired not my own praise, but only that my creator, the giver of all, should be glorified. The Blessed Virgin was already well aware from the sacred scriptures that the time foretold by the prophets for the coming of the Messiah had arrived that the weeks of Daniel were completed, that already, according to the prophecy of Jacob, the scepter of Judah had passed into the hands of Herod, a strange king. She already knew that a virgin was to be the mother of the Messiah. She then heard the angel give her praises, which it was evident could apply to no other than to the mother of God. Hence, may not the thought, or at least some vague impression, have entered her mind, that perhaps she was this chosen mother of God? No, her profound humility did not even admit such an idea. Those praises only caused her great fear in her. So much so, as St. Peter Chrysologus remarks, that as Christ was pleased to be comforted by an angel, so was it necessary that the Blessed Virgin should be encouraged by one. St. Gabriel, seeing Mary so troubled and almost stupefied by the salutation, was obliged to encourage her, saying, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found grace with God. Fear not, O Mary. And be not surprised at the great titles by which I have saluted thee. For if thou in thine own eyes art so little and lowly, God, who exalts the humble, has made thee worthy to find the grace lost by men. And therefore he has, he has preserved thee from the common stain of the children of Adam. Hence, from the moment of thy conception, he has honored thee with a grace greater than that of all the saints. And therefore, he now finally exalts thee even to the dignity of being his mother. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And now, why this delay, O Mary? The angel awaits thy reply, says St. Bernard. And we also, O lady, on whom the sentence of condemnation weighs so heavily, await the word of mercy. We who are already condemned to death, behold, the price of our salvation is offered thee. We shall be instantly delivered if thou consentest. Continues the same St. Bernard, behold, O mother of us all, the price of our salvation is already offered thee. That price will be the divine word made man in thee. In that moment in which thou acceptest him for thy son, we shall be delivered from death. For thy Lord himself desires thy consent by which he has determined to save the world with an ardor equal to the love with which he has loved thy beauty. Answer then, O sacred virgin, says St. Augustine, or some other ancient author, why delayest thou giving life to the world? Reply quickly, O lady, no longer delay the salvation of the world, which now depends upon thy consent. 
But see, Mary already answers. She replies to the angel and says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Oh, what more beautiful, more humble, or more prudent answer. Could all the wisdom of men and angels together have invented, had they reflected for a million years? O powerful answer, which rejoiced heaven and brought an immense sea of graces and blessings into the world. Answer, which had scarcely fallen from the lips of Mary before it drew the only begotten son of God from the bosom of his eternal father to become man in her most pure womb. Yes, indeed, for scarcely had she uttered these words, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Then instantly the word was made flesh. The son of God became also the son of Mary. O powerful fiat, exclaimed St. Thomas of Villanova. O efficacious fiat, O fiat to be venerated above every other fiat. For with a fiat, God created light, heaven, earth. But with Mary's fiat, says the saint, God became man like us. Let us, however, not wander from our point, but consider the great humility of the Blessed Virgin in this answer. She was fully enlightened as to the greatness of the dignity of a mother of God. She had already been assured by the angel that she was this happy mother chosen by our Lord. But with all this, she in no way rises to her own estimation. Excuse me, she in no way rises in her own estimation. She does not stop to rejoice in her exaltation, but seeing on the one side her own nothingness and on the other the infinite majesty of God who chose her for his mother, she acknowledges how unworthy she is of so great an honor, but will not oppose his will in the least thing. Hence, when her consent is asked, what does she do? What does she say? wholly annihilated within herself, yet all inflamed at the same time by the ardor of her desire to unite herself thus still more closely with God and abandoning herself entirely to the divine will, she replies, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Behold the slave of the Lord, obliged to do that which her Lord commands. As if she meant to say, Since God chooses me for his mother, who have nothing of my own, and since all that I have is his gift, who can ever think that he has done so on account of my own merits? Behold the handmaid of the Lord. What merit can a slave ever have that she should become the mother of her Lord? Behold the handmaid of the Lord. May the goodness of God alone be praised and not his slave, since it is all his goodness that he fixes his eyes on so lowly a creature as I am to make her so great. O humility, here exclaims the abbot Guaric, as nothing in its own eyes, yet sufficiently great for the divinity, insufficient for itself, sufficient for him whom the heavens cannot contain. O great humility of Mary, which makes her little to herself, but great before God, unworthy in her own eyes, but worthy in the eyes of that immense Lord whom the world cannot contain. But the exclamation of St. Bernard on this subject is still more beautiful in his fourth sermon on the Assumption of Mary, in which, admiring her humility, he says, And how, O lady, couldst thou unite in thy heart so humble an opinion of thyself with such great purity, with such innocence and so great a plenitude of grace as thou didst possess. And how, O blessed Virgin, continues the saint, did this humility and so great humility ever take such deep root in thy heart, seeing thyself thus honored and exalted by God? Whence thy humility and so great humility, O blessed one? Lucifer, seeing himself endowed with great beauty, aspired to exalt his throne above the stars and to make himself like God. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. Oh, what would that proud spirit have said? And to what would he have aspired had he ever been adorned with the gifts of Mary? 
The humble Mary did not act thus. The higher she saw herself raised, the more she humbled herself. Ah, lady, concludes St. Bernard, by this admirable humility, thou didst indeed render thyself worthy to be regarded by God with singular love, worthy to captivate thy king with thy beauty, worthy to draw by the sweet odor of thy humility, the eternal son from his repose, from the bosom of God into thy most pure womb. She was indeed worthy to be looked upon by the Lord, whose beauty the king so greatly desired, and by whose most sweet odor he was drawn from the eternal repose of his father's bosom. Hence, Bernadine de Bustis says that Mary merited more by saying with humility, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, than all pure creatures could merit together by their good works. Thus says St. Bernard, This innocent virgin, although she made herself dear to God by her virginity, yet it was by her humility that she rendered herself worthy, as far as a creature can be worthy to become the mother of her creator. Though she pleased by her virginity, she conceived by her humility. St. Jerome confirms this, saying that God chose her to be his mother more on account of her humility than all her other sublime virtues. Mary herself also assured St. Bridget of the same thing, saying, How was it that I merited so great a grace as to be made the mother of my Lord? If it was not that I knew my own nothingness and that I had nothing and humbled myself, this she had already declared in her canticle, breathing forth the most profound humility, when she said, Because he hath regarded the humility of his handmaid, he that is mighty hath done great things to me. On these words, St. Lawrence Justinian remarks that the Blessed Virgin did not say he hath regarded the virginity or the innocence, but only the humility. And by this humility, as St. Francis of Sales observes, Mary did not mean to praise the virtue of her own humility, but she meant to declare that God had regarded her nothingness, humility, that is nothingness, and that out of his pure goodness, he had been pleased thus to exalt her. In fine, the author of a sermon found amongst the works of St. Augustine says that Mary's humility was a ladder by which our Lord deigned to descend from heaven to earth to become man in her womb. Mary's humility, he says, became a heavenly ladder by which God came into the world. This is confirmed by St. Antoninus, who says that the humility of Mary was her most perfect virtue and the one which immediately prepared her to become the mother of God. The last grace of perfection is preparation for the conception of the Son of God, which preparation is made by profound humility. The prophet Isaiah foretold the same thing, and there shall come forth a rod out of the root of Jesse, and a flower shall rise up out of his root. Blessed Albert the Great remarks on these words that the divine flower, that is to say the only begotten Son of God, was to be born. <coughs> Excuse me not from the summit nor from the trunk of the tree of Jesse, but from the root, precisely to denote the humility of the mother. By the root, humility of heart is understood. The abbot of Chellis explains it more clearly still, saying, remark that the flower rises not from the summit, but out of the root. For this reason, God said to his beloved daughter, turn away thy eyes from me, for they have made me flee away. St. Augustine asks, whence have they made thee flee? unless it be from the bosom of thy father into the womb of thy mother. On this same thought, the learned interpreter Fernandez says that the most humble eyes of Mary, which she always kept fixed on the divine greatness, never losing sight of her own nothingness, did such violence to God himself that they drew him into her womb. Her most humble eyes held God in such a way captive that this blessed virgin, with a kind of most sweet violence, drew the word himself of God the Father into her womb. 
Thus it is that we can understand, says the Abbot Franco, why the Holy Ghost praised the beauty of this his spouse so greatly on account of her dove's eyes. How beautiful art thou, my love, how beautiful art thou, thine eyes are dove's eyes. For Mary, looking at God with the eyes of a simple and humble dove, enamored him to such a degree by her beauty that with the bands of love she made him a prisoner in her chaste womb. The abbot thus speaks, Where on earth could so beautiful a virgin be found? Who could allure the king of heaven by her eyes and by a holy violence lead him captive, bound in the chains of love? So that to conclude this point, we will remark that in the incarnation of the eternal word, as we have already seen at the commencement of our discourse, Mary could not have humbled herself more than she did humble herself. Let us now see how it was that God, having made her his mother, could not have exalted her more than he did exalt her. We will pick up with the second point tomorrow, my friends. So the takeaway from today, humility, humility, humility. It is a spiritual nuclear weapon. When we realize that everything we have, all of our time, talent, and treasure is a free gift from the Lord. And our gift back to him is using the time, talent, and treasure to the best of our abilities to glorify him, to bring other souls to our Lord Jesus Christ by word and deed, to do everything we can to exalt Jesus Christ. Mary is the example of that par excellence. Our Lady only wills what the Lord wills. Once again, we go back to those beautiful words from the gospel. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. In other words, anything that the Lord does, she wants to celebrate. She wants to make bigger, so to speak. She wants to make a big deal of the Lord because he is a big deal. The good news of salvation is that Jesus Christ suffers, dies, and is resurrected for us, for me, for you, for everyone. And yes, for the Blessed Mother too. So let us love Mary more. It's not possible to love her enough. Let us ask the Lord for the grace to love Our Lady of Fatima more. And once again, if possible, pray those 15 decades of the rosary every single day. We are living through challenging times, but we are here for a reason. We need to be prayer warriors, young, old, man, woman, boy, girl, wherever you are, pick up that rosary. That is your spiritual weapon. It is the weapon for these times. Oremos. Prayer for the hastening of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God and our tender mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the church by the unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the sixth commandment, the seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than that of heaven, the horrendous sacrileges against the most holy Eucharist, especially through the practice of communion in the hand, and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Holy Mass. Amidst these trials appeared the light of the consecration of Russia to thine immaculate heart by the Pope, in union with the world's bishops. In Fatima, thou didst request the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays of the month. Implore thy divine Son to grant a special grace to the Pope that he might approve the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. May Almighty God hasten the time when Russia will convert to Catholic unity. 
mankind will be given a time of peace and the church will be granted an authentic renewal and the purity of the Catholic faith, the sacredness of divine worship and the holiness of Christian life. O Mediatrix of all graces, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary and our sweet mother, turn thine eyes of mercy towards us and graciously hear this, our trusting prayer. Amen. That prayer, of course, by Bishop Schneider. And now I would also like to offer up this prayer, one of these seven Fatima prayers. By thy pure and immaculate conception, O Mary, obtain for me the conversion of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. I'm adding the United States of America and Canada there. Feel free to add any nation you so choose. Now the Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, my spiritual father, and beg your protection. O foster father of the Redeemer, despise not my petitions, but in your goodness hear and answer me. Amen. Just a little bit more about why those two countries in particular. Obviously, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I live here, but I was born in Canada. and very proud of the Canadian heritage that I have. Um, I say that Canada is not my home, but it is, in fact, my native land. May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. And now the three Hail Marys for the people of Chile for good governance there to defeat this anti-God, anti-family constitution, which is up for a vote in September. And most importantly, to honor the immaculate purity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae, amen. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis, Sancta Raphael Archangeli, ora pro nobis, Sancta Joseph Teradaimonem, ora pro nobis, in nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti, amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 284 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. And most especially, pray for the eternal salvation of the world's bishops. Goodbye, and God love you.